Let's prepare our hearts and minds for the reading of God's Word and the teaching that comes from it. Tonight's reading is from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 5. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making all things new. He also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Thanks, Dave. I'm going to put my LaCroix on the communion table. Is that sacrilegious? A little tickle in my throat. I'm nervous. Um, hi, I'm Katie, uh, one of the pastors here at Nova Church. Glad you are here tonight. Uh, if you're new to Nova, I want to say a special welcome to you. Glad you're here. We're missing quite a few of our folks uh, on this gorgeous uh, Colorado night, but glad you are here. Glad you're here joining, gathering us uh, with us in worship, because we believe that God is here, that we're not just going through the motions We're not just doing like a rote routine. We believe the spirit of the living God is here. Believing that, uh, will you pray with me as we study God's word together? God, we do trust that you haven't left us alone, that your spirit is here, that your spirit is moving. And so we pray together, we pray for each person here that you would speak the words we need to hear, word of comfort, word of hope, word of promise, a word of faithfulness, a word of patience, a word of peace, whatever it is, God, we pray that you would come, that you would speak. In Jesus' name, amen. God's presence is often a hidden presence, a presence that needs to be discovered. The loud, boisterous noises of the world make us deaf to the soft, gentle, and loving voice of God. So says Henry Nouwen. The world is loud. I know that, you know that. But we're saying tonight, God, we we want to hear you. God, there's so much going on. There's like this rush, this blur of activity around us and within us. But God, we want to see you. We're looking for a sign. That's the name of our sermon series that we've been in for a few weeks now, looking at our vision as a church. So if you're new here tonight, great night to be here as we talk about who we are as a church, what we hope to be about as a church, our dream as a small church in central Denver. We're wrapping up that series tonight, looking at one verse, great job reading, one verse from Revelation 21, last book of the Bible, second to last chapter. To give a little bit of context to that one verse, we can go ahead and name a book of Revelation, a bit of an odd, strange book, full of all this rich, profound imagery, all these scriptural allusions. It was written by a man named John, a a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, who was living under the oppressive thumb of the Roman Empire. And this follower of Jesus couldn't stop proclaiming that Jesus is Lord, not you, Caesar. Jesus is Lord. And because of that, he was imprisoned on the Isle of Patmos. And there, in this imprisonment, God has not abandoned him. God gives him a a vision, visions of Jesus, a revelation of Jesus Christ. And it's important to remember that Scripture, as we open up the Bible, it's telling one cohesive story from start to finish, one cohesive story of who God is, of who we are, of the God who won't quit on us, the God who won't give up on us. But within scripture, there's different genres, there's different types of literature. There's poetry, there's wisdom literature, there's historical books. Revelation is a type of apocalyptic literature. Now, I think most of us, when we hear the word apocalyptic, we think end of the world, we think cataclysmic events, we think like disaster flicks, disaster films. 
My two older boys, they go to Dora Moore right across the street, and I was picking them up this week. And my oldest son, he was telling me about his day, and he said, hey, at recess, we played a new game. I was like, okay, what was that? What'd you play? What do you think? Any guesses what they played at recess? You're never going to get it. Because the correct answer is zombie apocalypse <laughs> is what they were playing. And I was like, oh, I'm going to put that in my sermon. <laughs> and I think that's what we think of, though, for most of us, when we hear the word apocalypse, we think like zombies and first graders battling it out at the end of the world. But the word apocalypse in Greek has less to do with zombies, surprise, surprise. And it actually just means a revealing, an unveiling. In apocalyptic literature in the Bible, when you encounter it in scripture, it's the curtain being pulled back, revealing something to us so that we can see what's really going on. So think Wizard of Oz for a minute. The moment when the wizard is exposed as a sham, Toto pulls the curtain back. But here in John's visions, as the curtain is pulled back, what's being revealed is not a shady salesman from Kansas. Spoiler, if you haven't seen Wizard of Oz, I feel like you've had your chance. That's not on me. That's on you. But what's being revealed here is not some salesman. What's being revealed here, curtains pulled back, is Jesus. Here's how author and pastor Daryl Johnson puts it. He says this, in the first century, the word simply meant opening up, as in the opening of a door, or the pulling back of a curtain, or the lifting of a cover off a box. An opening that reveals what is always there, but ordinarily hidden. This book, therefore, is all about Jesus Christ, who is always there, but ordinarily hidden, breaking through the hiddenness so that we can realize who he is and what he's up to in the world and in our lives. The curtain is being pulled back so we can see Jesus, who he is and what he's up to in the world and in our lives. We're looking for a sign, a sign that Jesus is here, a sign that God hasn't quit on us, a sign that God will make this right in the end. A sign that God is doing something in the world and in our lives. And the curtain is pulled back in Revelation 21, verse 5. And what do we see? The curtain is pulled back. What do we see? The one seated on the throne saying this, Look, I am making all things new. The curtain is pulled back. And we see Jesus, the crucified king, the lamb who was slain, the one who walked out of the grave. He's on the throne and he's making all things new. The folks over at the Bible Project, they put it like this. At this moment, the earth is cut off from the full life of heaven. They say, I don't think we have to look too far before we can confirm this by mere observation. We look around and we see that. Crime, inequality, rampant greed, selfishness. They say, to use a biblical metaphor, creation groans like a woman in childbirth. But the new creation is here, taking form even when we can't see it. We do sense hints of it now and then, though, just like we might make out an elbow or a foot poking from within a pregnant woman's belly. One day, it will be pushed forth into life, like a new baby emerging from the womb. What's our dream for our life together as a church? Our vision is this, to see signs of Christ's renewal in central Denver and beyond, to see what God is, go, is doing in the world and to join in, to pay attention to what the Spirit is doing and to participate in the movement of the Spirit, to see signs of Christ's renewal, community, God bringing people together, justice, righting the wrongs, beauty, creating beauty in our world, wholeness, taking the broken pieces of my life and your life, of our stories, and putting it back together again and worship, like Chuck just talked about, awakening people to the presence of Jesus and the goodness of God. So I want to say just a few words of encouragement 
And what that might look like is we pursue this vision together to see signs of Christ's renewal. And the first is this, is that it takes place in the ordinary. Where you work, where you live, where you play, in this neighborhood, in common spaces, in schools, across our city, in the ordinary. Last week, Tina was talking about the story of the woman at the well. In the Gospel of John, Jesus sits down besides a well, and, and he interrupts this Samaritan woman in the middle of, of the chores that she's doing. She's just going to get water. She's just there, like, knocking out her to-do list, right? <laughs> she's just getting stuff done. And there's Jesus. This woman was there drawing water in the heat of the day, presumably avoiding the other women from the village. They would have come in the morning when it was still cool. She goes alone, cut off from community. And Jesus, in this conversation, he opens up this safe space for this woman to be present to her own story, to be present to Jesus. He creates this this space of beauty. And he crosses these boundaries to get to her. This work of, of justice for a woman who knew what it meant to be pushed aside. And he works for wholeness in her story as he's drawing it out with such tenderness and kindness as, she, as he's meeting her in this moment. And he calls her out of isolation into community. If you keep reading, you see the woman goes back to her village and she tells them all about Jesus and they respond. And he invites her ultimately into, into worship, in spirit and in truth. He, he offers her living water that he provides. And I saw a modern retelling of the story from the Gospel of John and this kind of drama. They reimagined it happening in a laundromat. A laundromat. Knocking out your to-do list, going about your chores, in the very ordinary parts of life. There is Jesus, breaking life, working for freedom, working for renewal. Every week we say this, you'll hear it a little bit later. This closing blessing we say every week. Someone from our community every week stands up here. We take turns. We trade off who says it, speaking out over us. You go nowhere by accident. Wherever you go, God is sending you. In the ordinary places of life, Jesus is working for renewal. Second, brief encouragement. It's in the quiet, in the quiet places, in the quiet moments. It's what Henry Nouwen said in that quote that I shared in the beginning. Big, loud world. Soft speaking God, us learning to be quiet. Friends, may we get quiet together. I'm not good at getting quiet. It's like nothing about my life is quiet right now. May we learn what it is to slow down so we can actually hear from God, so that we can actually pay attention to what God is doing out there, to hear the voice of God directing us and guiding us. And may we embrace all the quiet moments in our life where God is at work, the moments that don't go viral on the internet, the moments of kindness, the prayers offered in silence, the acts of generosity and hospitality that that easily could go unnoticed. I think it's no secret right now that a lot of people don't trust the church, don't trust pastors like me. And how do we respond in this, this cultural moment? May we keep quietly showing up, loving, and listening, and serving, and blessing, and confessing our sin, and lamenting the brokenness of the church and our world, to give of ourselves in love for the sake of others. May we earn the trust of our neighbors by our quiet, faithful, consistent presence. It may not be flashy, but it is faithful. May we be faithful. May we seek signs of Christ's renewal in the ordinary, in the quiet, 
Third encouragement, sorry if it doesn't feel very encouraging, (laughs) in the slow. Dr. Carlos Thompson says this, love has a speed and it's slow. Jesus took his sweet time. You ever notice that about Jesus? Flipping through the Gospels, reading the ministry of Jesus. Jesus takes his sweet time. And sometimes that's really annoying, especially when it's our own life and we want Jesus to get going. But you flip through the Gospels and it's also beautiful because Jesus was always willing to be interrupted. Whoever was coming at him, whoever had this need, he wasn't just willing, he actually welcomed it. He, he saw the person right in front of him. He paid attention to the person right in front of him. He asked these questions. He wasn't just like, hey, I'm going to tell you the right answer because I'm Jesus. No, he takes the time to ask questions, digging deeper into that person's story, digging deeper into that person's soul, whatever was going on. Jesus takes his sweet time because love has a speed and it's slow. And more often than not, I have to tell myself, I'm mostly preaching to myself right now. I'm glad you're here. (laughs) That to see signs of Christ's renewal, to see change, to see transformation, to see anything good and beautiful and just and whole, worthy of, of, of all the worship of God, to see it come about, more often than not, it's a slow process. To create beauty, slow. The artists, the gardeners among us know that to be true. To seek justice, to advocate for change on a systemic, a structural level, slow. To cultivate community, slow. I heard the story recently of a woman who came to Jesus, who became a follower of Jesus, and when she did, she found out that her sister had been praying for her for 25 years. To see flourishing in a community, to see change come about, to see fruit grow, it takes time. Give it time. Put roots down in this church community. Let us link arms together, following Jesus together. We don't control the outcomes. We never did. But the Spirit is among us. Last one. See signs of Christ's renewal in the struggle. In the ordinary, in the quiet, in the slow, in the struggle. None of these things come easily. Community, justice, beauty, wholeness, worship. We face resistance. Because the present world, the systems of this world, fights against the new world that Jesus is bringing about. Does it all sound exhausting? Well, here's the good news. It's not up to us. It's not riding on your shoulders. It's not up to me. It's not up to Chuck. This is what Jesus is doing. It's Christ's renewal. Our vision statement might sound a little passive to see signs of Christ's renewal, but we're actually intentional in that because this is what Jesus brings about. That's actually the point, that we don't make these signs happen. But we do have a part to play. We aren't passive. We look for signs of Jesus' work and we join in. That Jesus is really good and really gracious and gives dignity and honor to our lives and our work. It all matters as we're invited to partner with God in the renewal of all things. That the old order of things, sin and death and evil, it is passing away. And one day it will be fully gone. We know right now it's not. We feel that. I was trying to take a nap today and I decided to read the news. I didn't sleep, okay? We know that. I mean, we know everything in the news right now. Earthquake in Afghanistan, war in the Middle East. We're longing for that day when Jesus will return and make all things new. But even here and even now, Jesus is present and at work bringing healing in our world and in our lives. Some have pointed out that the story of the Bible begins in a garden and ends in a garden, a garden city, that one cohesive story, remember? And after all, Jesus, after his resurrection, is actually mistaken 
for a gardener. A garden is such a a vivid picture for Jesus' work of renewal. One of my dear friends, Kate, has transformed her backyard into this beautiful garden. And when Chuck and I lived in Colorado Springs, we used to live there, we, we rented from Kate and her husband, Brett, and so we lived in their backyard in the midst of this garden. And we're not gardeners, but what we learned vicariously through Kate is that gardening, it takes a lot of work. It doesn't just happen. When Kate and Brett, when they bought their house, there were a lot of unknowns. They bought it in March. They didn't actually know really what they were dealing with in their yard, and they discovered they had a leaky irrigation system when they turned it on. They discovered that their yard was quickly filled with all these little swamps, and and every time they would dig into the ground, they'd find scattered remnants of concrete all over the yard. They built one square garden bed, which was then destroyed when they had to have their plumbing redone. They had to to learn the soil of their yard. They had to learn where the sun was hitting, the sun exposure as it, as it came over the backyard and the front yard. One time, a whole generation of seedlings was destroyed by a hailstorm. And Kate said, I remember being so devastated. But I also realized really quickly that this was the gardening life. You had to understand that failure could happen at any time, and you were not in control. They built five more beds as they learned where the sun was actually hitting, and and they had to water it all by hand because of their defunct irrigation system. And then they added garden beds in the front and behind the house to help capture drainage off the house, Uh, but those were destroyed by workers taking care of uh, the termite problem in their cottage, and then the whole cottage had to come down. We weren't living there anymore, by the way, in case you were worried about us. We were in Denver at that point. Cottage fell apart. After years, they were finally able to upgrade the irrigation system. And this is what Kate said. She said, the yard went from a derelict foreclosure overrun with weeds to a respite. She said, but it took 12 years. Our outdoor space was as valuable as a living room, as welcoming as we could make it. I was texting her with her last night to get the full story. I didn't remember like half of that. I was trying to figure out. And she was recounting the ins and the outs of of their 12-year journey, the seasons, the cycles, the failures, the growth, all the fruit, all the produce. We would come home and there'd be like this giant zucchini on our cottage door. And she was recounting all that to me. And she said this, she said, it's the most encouraging thing to put a seed in the dark ground and some consistent watering of it and watch it explode into something else entirely. It's the most encouraging thing to put a seed in the dark ground add some consistent water, and watch it explode into something else entirely. And that's the life of God's new creation. The way that Jesus is at work, the ordinary, the quiet, the slow, the struggle, it may not be flashy, but may we be faithful. Because people all around us are looking for a sign, a sign of meaning, a sign of hope, a sign that they're not alone, a sign of God. And may our life together pull back the curtain. Once a month as we have our community dinners, as we gather in discipleship groups all around the city, as we love Jesus and love each other and and try to love our neighbors, as we advocate for the poor, as we give of ourselves, as we gather and worship on Sunday nights, may all of it, may Jesus use all of it to pull back the curtain and reveal himself to this city and to this world. So when you came in tonight, you had like a whole stack of papers on your chair. Sorry about that. Uh, And one of those, the long card. So we want to invite um, everybody into a special season of prayer from now until the end of the year, from now until New Year's, to take up a practice called fixed-hour prayer. And it's something that the first Christians did, a daily rhythm of prayer three times a day, morning, midday, and evening. And prayer is recognizing this fact that we're not in control, 
that we're totally dependent on God. It's the gardening lessons my, Kate, my friend Kate learned. That together as a community, to seek God's face, to do it daily. This card, uh, is, these practices here, this prayer here, is adapted from a prayer from the 24-7 prayer movement. And so I encourage you to take up this practice. Take home this card. We'll send out a digital copy as well as a community. And we'll keep talking about it over the next few weeks so everyone in our community can hear this invitation of these last three months of the year to pray together every day for all that Jesus is doing, for all that Jesus wants to do, that the curtain would be pulled back in our life together, revealing King Jesus, who is making all things new. So I have a time of response before we come to the Lord's table. Um, another piece of paper on your chair. I promise we don't always give like all the paperwork. Um, there's a cardstock here, and I encourage you this next few moments, take that pen, and I want you to express your heart to God. You heard me talk. I want you to express your heart to God, your response to God's word tonight, your desire for this church, your dream for our life together, to write it out. Take a few minutes. The band's going to sing and play. When you're ready to take your card, and there's two boards over there, and get out of your chair. It may feel awkward. You don't have to. Do what you want. You can go get a snack. You do what you want. But I encourage you, if you're willing, to go put it on the board. Embody your prayer as you get up and go. If you're new to the community, you can write out a prayer for us. You can write out your own prayer for your longing and desire to be part of a church family. Take a few moments and express your heart to God in prayer, and then pin it on the board when you're ready.